have, man. Okay, that's great. Hello, and welcome back to the Living on Purpose podcast. You are listening to episode number 18. Here we go with Pastor John. All right, here's our next question, John. When did the wise men actually visit Jesus at his birth? And what else can we learn about them that we didn't either know or have gotten wrong over the years? Well, this question's out of season. A little bit. <laughs> A couple months, but you know what? We're going to dive into this and we discover are. that the wise men didn't really come right on Christmas, right? Well, you're not supposed to give that oh, away. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so Spoiler. Let's, let's jump into this, okay? Great question. Very interesting question. When we think of the nativity scene, we think of normally the characters that are there, right? Obviously, you think of baby Jesus. You think of Joseph and Mary. You think of the shepherds, and there's always animals. Why? Because basically, uh, it was a cave that they were in. And then you see the wise men. Mm. The question is, were the wise men really there, okay? And also, the other question is, who really are the wise men, or the Bible describes them as magi? So, there's a couple thoughts to this. Key people in Eastern governments focused on divination and astrology is often the viewpoint of this. And tradition says that they were men of high position. So, again, we mentioned this. They could have been key people. Eastern governments, um, Eastern astrologers, most likely they had studied ancient manuscripts from around the world. And remember, because of the Jewish exile centuries earlier, they would have had copies of the Old Testament. So hmm. Daniel speaks of uh, different things that relate to this. We may get to these verses, we may not. But that's the first thought. Also, they could have been Jews who remained in Babylon after the exile and knew the Old Testament predictions of the Messiah's coming. And a third option is these men were simply no one really special outside of the fact that they had a position of authority, maybe in the Eastern government, but they received special revelation from God. And basically, when they came to representing the different corners of the world, bowing down to Jesus, some people believe that, right? They kind of represent the entire world, not just Jews, but also all of Gentiles. So these are different options uh, that they could have been. I think it's probably true that they were the Eastern astrologers who had been studying ancient manuscripts from around the world, and they had been studying uh, the law and the prophets, and so they understood things that Isaiah had said about the coming of Christ, things that Daniel had said about the coming of Christ. And so that's, that's probably who it was, right? Mm -hmm. We're pretty clear that they traveled with Oriental pomp, wearing what's called conical hats and riding Persian steeds. Uh, these were men that very possibly could have been in the priestly uh, ministry in some way. And so there's all sorts of different speculation about who they were, and these are some of the options. Now, we think about this as well. We think about the star that they follow. What that's What is that all about, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, well, there's a Bible verse in the law in the book of Numbers, Numbers 24 and verse 17, where it says, I see him. But not now, I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of the people of Sheth. And so many people believe that that is prophetic and it's speaking of the star that will lead the wise men straight to Jesus. Hmm. So what's the star all about? That's always a question, right? The star was possibly 
what's called the conjunction of Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars into what is known as a supernova. That's a possibility. It's also very possible and probable that it was simply a divine sign from God. Uh, as I was reading and studying this this week, some people believe that uh, literally the star was an angel that was directing them to Jesus, hmm. or most likely um, an expression of the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory is the presence of God that would appear at certain times in certain moments. So in particular, we think of Israel when they were being led through the wilderness. It was a fire by night and a cloud by day. God's presence appeared. We think of even Moses when he came across the bush that was burning, but it was not burning up. That was the presence of God in a form, a special form in front of him, right? It's often described as the Shekinah glory. And so some people believe that the star was the actual presence of God leading uh, the Magi to Jesus. Hmm. So it's interesting to think about it. One thing is for sure, we know these Magi traveled thousands of miles to see Jesus. So that leads us into a couple of viewpoints that people have that I believe are false. Mm-hmm. And you gave away the first one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Will you forgive me? I will forgive you, of course. You. It's all good. And so the first fallacy, fallacy number one, is that they were there at the birth of Jesus. A lot of people believe this, right? Because they've seen the pictures, the portraits, uh, the displays, all these different things. And it's true. Modern portrayals of the Christmas nativity scene, they usually show the wise men visiting Jesus on the night of his birth. But that is likely not what truly occurred. King Herod, think about this. You can look it up in Matthew chapter 2. King Herod discovered from the Magi the exact time the star Bethlehem had first appeared to them. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 7, the Bible says, And Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Let's keep reading. Verse 8, it says, He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I... Two may go and worship him. Now, did did Herod want to worship the baby Jesus? Oh, no. No, in fact, he wanted to destroy him because he was fearful that he would rise up as this great military leader and take the throne from Herod. That was his fear. Mm-hmm. And indeed, he would not do those things because Jesus came to set people's hearts free, not, their, not make their lives easier. And so that was uh, a concern. And so Herod was trying to get rid of Jesus even from the beginning, okay? So we know that later on in verse 16, we see the culmination of this as he orders all male children two years old and under in Bethlehem to be killed. And so Herod Herod obviously thought the star of Bethlehem had first appeared when Christ was born. If he was right, then Jesus could have been, and this is interesting to think about, he could have been up to two years old when the star of Bethlehem later guided the Magi through the streets of Bethlehem. Now, it's interesting because the Greek word translated young child in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 9, and I'm going to stop there for a minute and just read the verse. The Bible says, after they had heard the king, the Bible says they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And so Hmm. the concept of the word here, young child, can mean anything in the language uh, from a newborn infant to a toddler. So the Magi 
may have first observed the star of Bethlehem the night of Jesus' birth, or they may have seen it up to two years beforehand. Either way, I believe, and I think it's pretty clear based on the, the timing of it, that they found Jesus in Bethlehem when they arrived, and he was not he was not a baby anymore. We know this as well. Joseph and Mary almost surely would have stayed in Bethlehem until Mary could travel again. In fact, they probably stayed there for 40 days that were necessary to complete Mary's purification. So after giving birth to a child, a woman would have to uh, wait to be purified so that she could go back into the temple for worship. And this was up to 40 days. Hmm. And so from Bethlehem, they could easily make then the five-mile trip to Jerusalem for the sacrifice for Mary's purification, Luke chapter 2 and verse number 22. And so the fact is that the Magi came to the house, and you see this in verse 11. The Bible says, on coming to the house. So think of this. Jesus was born in a stable, right? <laughs> Jesus wasn't born in a house, but now they're coming to a house, uh, Matthew 2 and verse 11, rather than the stable. It makes sense because Joseph naturally would have moved his family to a more protected place as soon as possible the morning after Jesus was born in all probability. And so the fact is, it's cute, it's adorable. We love it when we see the Magi or the wise men standing there with the shepherds. But it's not accurate. Right. It's not accurate. They were not there. They traveled eight to 900 miles, and it took them time. And Jesus most likely was maybe a couple years old. Mm -hmm. Maybe less, but we know for sure that they weren't there on that night. Yeah. I mean, it fits for a fairy tale story it for does. kids, you know, and even the song, We Three Kings, yes. which kind of transitions us into the next part, right? Yes. Fallacy number two. There were only three of them. Now, here's the thing. I cannot prove this biblically, whereas the first uh, fallacy, I believe I can prove biblically. The second one, not necessarily, but think about this question. Why have we traditionally believed that there were three wise men. What do you think? Because the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh? That's right. Three gifts, right? Okay. Yeah. So if there were three gifts, there must be three guys, each one bringing a gift, right? Yeah. So that's traditionally what we have believed, yet historians have established that up to 1,000 Persian cavalry men, bodyguards, very possibly would have made this trip to see Jesus as a young boy. Kind of interesting to think about that, isn't it? That's that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So it's very possible that there were several uh, magi, wise men that came to see Jesus. It's very possible. Now, could it have only been three? It's possible as well, but it's really not likely. It's likely that there are many more than just three. Yet three are kind of focused on why? Because there were three gifts that were given. So with all this said. What are some concluding thoughts on all this? First of all, the important things for us to know, number one, they pursued Jesus. They pursued Jesus. We know that the Magi were wise men from the East. We've already established that. Most likely Persian, which is what, modern day Iran? So this means that, again, they would have traveled eight to 900 miles to see the Christ child. Now, there were no trains, planes, or automobiles back then, okay? So the reality is, is that they were they were traveling by camel or by foot, probably a combination of both, right? Mm -hmm. And so they knew of the writings of the prophet Daniel, I believe this, who in time past had been the chief of the court seers in Persia. So think about this. Remember, 
the Israelites were taken into captivity by the Babylonians, and the Babylonians were taken into captivity by the Persians, the Medes and the Persians. You remember the story of where Daniel is thrown into the lion's den? Yep. Well, that took place, uh, you know, at that time. So Daniel's writings in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, gives prophetic ideas, thoughts, the timeline of the birth of the Messiah of Jesus. Are you looking that up right now? Yeah. Why don't you read them for us? Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27. 24 through 27. Here we go. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will put to death, will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Yeah, it's pretty intense. And there's a lot of translation to go into this. Yeah. A lot of thoughts that go into this. Uh, the 70 weeks of Daniel, not literally... 70 weeks uh, in and of themselves, but the concept of, um, of years, right? The Bible often uses round numbers to make a point, not to give an exact count. For example, Jesus said we are to forgive others 70 times 7. Of course, that, that's, a, that's a number that's rounded up to a certain number, but it's, it's not on the 491st time you don't have to forgive. And so literally, sometimes when you read this, it can be confusing, but... It really is, uh, scholars see it, this figure 70 weeks, as a figurative time period. Others interpret this to mean a literal 70 weeks or 490 years, observing that Christ's death came at the end of the 69 weeks, or i.e. 483 years later. One interpretation places the 70th week as the seven years of the Great Tribulation. So there are some thoughts to this, and I don't want to get into prophecy today, but the fact is that these wise men, these magi, they would have been reading these things, uh, very possibly being Persian and Daniel having been uh, someone who was there. So anyway, number one, we know this, they pursued Jesus. Number two, they protected Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew 2 and verse 12, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So they were a part of God's will and not going back to Herod and sharing information as to where the baby Jesus, or at that time, the child Jesus was. Mm. And number three, they praised Jesus. When they saw the star, Matthew 2, verses 10 and 11, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented them with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it's incredible because gold is a symbol for a king, the royalty of a king. And that's what Jesus is, the king of kings and lord of lords. Mm. Frankincense is a symbol uh, that's given to a priest. 
the symbol of the priesthood. And Jesus is the priest of all priests. He is the one that uh, sacrificed for our sins. And that ultimately leads us into the myrrh, which was a burial spice, the picture of his great sacrifice that he would have to lay um, down his life for our sins. And so there's a lot to, to talk about, I think, when it comes to the wise men, the magi. But I think it's important for us to understand they weren't there at the birth of Jesus. They were there later. And we can trust the fact um, that they were impactful in the story. Awesome. Thank you so much for your question. And we want to invite you to ask more questions. You can send them to John at weareemmanuel.life and we will answer them on a future episode. Thanks for listening. That's all I have, man. Okay, that's great.